Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. What an honor it is to be here. I'm so excited. It's my first time here, and I couldn't wait to come. And when I heard we were coming here, I was just like really, really excited. But we are so proud of your pastors. Aren't they amazing? You know, to to weather everything you guys have been through in California as a church and to come out so strong and to be such an example and be like a lighthouse in this area, I am so proud of them. You know, we're like, kind of like the mom and dad and we're saying, keep going, you know, you're going to make it. And in Psalm 139, it says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. You don't have to be afraid because God's already gone into your future. You follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. And, you know, we went through a lot of stuff, but God has restored everything in our life. And we're still in love. We've been married 42 years. We're more in love now than at the beginning. Pow, pow. I like to say that at home. Like, go, you know. And it says, uh, your hand of love is upon my life, and you impart a father's blessing to me. And maybe your natural father didn't bless you, but we bless you today kind of like a mom and dad. We impart a father's blessing to each and every one of you today and pray that you are just so blessed today. We love you. Thank you, beautiful Mary. At home, I kind of, I told the first service, um, I pretend like he's a fighter, and I'm like, come on, I'm always encouraging him. You can do it. You can do it. You're going to do good. So let's go. Pow, pow. Is, isn't and, there something you wait, wanted to ask them to pray for well, today? Well, I know. Now, um, yeah. So our Cardinals. Now, I know I am passionate about the Lord, but I'm also passionate about our football team. And we are 5-0 and now. And we play today like we're starting at 1 o'clock. So you can throw a little prayer in there for the Cardinals that we go 6-0. and I'm kind of a sports fan. Yeah, I am. Anyway, I love you, honey. You can, uh, just real quickly, I'll show you, this is from this week, we, we were able to, because of spring break, have all of our kids come in town, that's us at the beach, a couple days ago, we have four kids and seven grandkids, all of our kids are married, two of them live in Laguna Beach, um, and we're just so grateful for God's faithfulness and kindness, and it, it was cool how the birds flew in the picture for me too, it was neat, um, but when your kids turn out good, um, I give all the credit to uh, Jesus and beautiful Mary for that, that part of it. Yeah. So we're very grateful. And it is, I, I, I am so, uh, I'm deeply touched. First of all, what a great song. Um, that song's going to go in, in, around the world because there's so much in it. Yeah. Um, it really, I think it does convey the culture of Ocean Church in a great way, the vision, the destiny, etc. But we're so grateful. Mary and I served um, 40 years ago in a church, and at churches here in Orange County for a while. We're just so grateful what, for what God's doing right here. It made me want to cry today, you know, seeing the move of God, seeing so many people hungry for God. So if you're new to the church, man, you're a part of a great church. World-class leaders, Pastor Mark and Michelle, are wonderful world-class people, and we're very grateful for both of you. You guys are the real thing. God bless both of you. 
going to share a message uh, really about what I felt like the Lord put in my heart for the church, kind of a prophetic word. And uh, just a couple of things. You know, I, I've, I, God uses me a lot in prophecy and stuff. I've never called myself a prophet. Um, I just call myself a friend of God. Um, I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. Um, kind of is my life strategy. But I'm humbled and grateful for the honor that your pastors have toward us. We feel mutually toward them. My title today is Lift Up Your Eyes and See. We'll be talking about, really, I, just three simple points that I believe God highlighted for me just to encourage you here at Ocean's Church to really focus on and in your own journey to really hold on to from the Lord. Before I open this passage, our main text will be Isaiah 49. And we'll be driving some, you know, some really cool, I, I think, points for you guys out of here. Let, let me share something humorous. A family had identical twin son uh, boys, and uh, that you couldn't tell them apart physically. They were so much alike, and yet their personalities were opposite. One was a pessimist, one was an optimist. And on their 10th birthday, their father decided to try an experiment. He went out and bought every imaginable toy a 10-year-old boy would want to have and he put it all into the pessimist twin son's room. And then he went out and got a truck full of horse manure and dumped it into the optimist twin son's room. And later on that afternoon, he heard someone virtually crying, and he walked down the hallway and turned into the, the little pessimist twin was sitting in the midst of all these open toys, just virtually crying. And the father said, why are you crying, son? And the boy said, Daddy, now all my friends are going to be jealous of me. Look at all the batteries I have to buy. And someday these toys are all going to break. And he went back to crying. And the father went across the hallway to the optimist twin son's room. And to his surprise, found him jumping up and down for joy in the horse manure. He said, son, why are you so happy? And the boy said, daddy, there's got to be a pony in here someplace. And uh, or as, as the great apostles said, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, called by his purpose. Lift up your eyes and see our three points will be, lift up your eyes and see a great harvest of souls. Lift up your eyes and see a great healing of broken hearts. Lift up your eyes and see a great hope and help for your life and family. In verse 18 of this chapter, this amazing chapter, so kind of from chapter 40 on, the prophetic word to a broken generation that had only known oppression and captivity, slavery, and really the disintegration of their families and the, the, all rights lost. Now they're coming into a season of restoration. And so these words are so impactful because they're telling them where they're going. And so he said this in verse 18, a spiritual principle about the power of vision. He said this, lift up your eyes and look around and see. All these gather together and come to you as I live, says the Lord. You shall clothe yourself with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. So imagine men and, you know, husbands and wives were separated. Children were kidnapped. And so their families were dispersed and scattered. And there was so much pain. And God said, whatever the devil has done, I'm going to undo. I want to restore everything that was taken from you. And the Lord said this, I need you to see it before I can do it. And so vision is so important. So we live in a time when there's so much hopelessness, confusion, 
and discouragement, people are losing vision. And we as believers, Peter said this in his, one of his epistles, that people would come up to us that don't have faith and ask us for the reason of the hope we have. That it would be so visibly evident on us that we are joyfully expected about good things in our future that people will be drawn into the orbit of our influence because of that and so god wants you to have a vision for your life a kingdom vision and insight is so important my first point god wants you to lift up your eyes and see a great harvest of souls coming to oceans church it is in the heart of god we, we, we talked a little bit before between services with your amazing pastors about what God has intended for Orange County or for all of California, that often in America, things that shape the whole country begin in California, cultural change, technological change, spiritual change. The greatest moves of God in the last century all began here in California from Azusa Street to the Jesus People Movement, to the great charismatic renewal. So all these things swept out of California to the nations. And so God's not done incubating a kingdom revival, a kingdom move of God from this place, from this region. So you're a part of it. And there's nothing more important to God than someone coming to the saving knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is... Listen, we have to be careful that we don't let political disagreements in our minds make enemies of the people we're called to believe to get saved. So no matter if they view you as an enemy, you have to view them as your assignment to reach for Christ and influence in this life. Jesus said, Jesus, one day the disciples went to get lunch, all 12 of them. I don't know why it took 12 guys to go get lunch. They left Christ alone, a rarity, at a well in Samaria, a city of Samaria. And while he's there, a woman comes up. He has a beautiful dialogue with her and wins her by just making, making the things of God so appealing, living waters, and, and, and then giving her a word of knowledge that shook her free from all of her trauma and all of her resistance. And she went and got the whole city, and the whole city came up the hill to be with Jesus and hear him. And so the disciples come back from lunch they're gone an hour and the whole city's getting saved the whole city is big and they're like in shock and christ is in the euphoria of what happens when you win someone to christ god lets you share a heavenly joy in that moment and so christ is feeling that that great satisfaction in the heart of the father and jesus said to them in john 4 35 don't you guys say three or four months then comes the harvest and the church has often been so good about delaying, postponing, and consigning to tomorrow things God's ready to do today. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. And so Jesus said, but I say to you, lift up your eyes and look and see. The fields are already whitened under harvest. And so Jesus said this. I'm doing what you can't do because I'm seeing what you can't see. When we can see what other people can't see, we can do what other people can't do. And God wants us in the midst of this moment to see things from a heavenly 
perspective. There's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's about the, the, the prophet Elijah kept warning the king of Israel about Syrian ambushments when the Syrian army would try to set up a trap for the Israeli army. And so he said, don't go that way. They're waiting for you. It happened many times. And so the Syrian king is like someone who's betraying me. But, but they said, no, they have a prophet who hears what we whisper. And so they, he sent a whole dispatch, a whole platoon, a whole army to go get Elijah. And when the Elijah's servant woke up in the morning, he walked out of their house and saw the chariots of Syrian warriors all around their village and their home. He ran inside and said, alas, master, what are we going to do? If all you do is read the headlines and watch the news, you're going to say, what are we going to do? And hopelessness and confusion will descend in your and anxiety. But the prophet said, there are more for us than there are against us. And then he, he prayed this prayer, Lord, open the eyes of my servant so he can see how things really are. And the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, the man of God, spiritually. And he saw two worlds. Faith is not ignoring reality or facts. But faith establishes a higher authority over the promises of God than the facts of our life. Your faith can change your fact. And so he saw both worlds, the natural Syrian army, and hovering above them were the chariots of heaven, heaven's angelic army. And when he saw how things really were, his fear left. And so God wants us to have a vision, a kingdom orientation. Isaiah 60 says this, arise and shine, your light has come. We can so identify with that because Christ himself said, he was the light of the world. Your light has come, and thus the glory of God's risen upon you. Verse 2 of Isaiah 60 says this, Gross darkness shall cover the earth, and intense darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you. His glory shall be seen upon you. Gentiles and kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes and see your sons and daughters coming home. Verse 4. Isaiah says this, at the same time, a dichotomous reality was that darkness become, became more intense, but light became more intense. I just want to say, no matter what the devil does, there will always be more grace than sin, more joy than sadness, more love than hatred, more healing than disease, more peace than anxiety and depression. God always has more on his side in the kingdom. We have to... To maintain mental health, we have to vigorously enforce spiritual discipline so that we are feeding our faith, feeding our souls, the Word of God, spending time in prayer so that we see how things really are. Lift up your eyes and see, second point, the great healing of broken hearts. So we live in a time, so I... I have a couple of degrees in psychology. I didn't get them to help people. I get them so I wouldn't go crazy when I was going through a hard time. And uh, they've helped people a little bit. But my point is this, that right now, everybody is hurting someplace. 
So normally in a demographic survey of mental health, one out of every four people is suffering a battle with depression or anxiety or some other infirmity of mind. But we live in a time now when that has spiked up to like 70, 80, 90%. So people are just living with high anxiety and accepting it as the new normal. But it's not normal. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. And God has a better way to live. He does. With peace and joy and love. So we want, even when people are kind of manifesting anger and other things we want to be spiritually discerning and recognize that's a hurting person that's someone who doesn't know how to cope with the overwhelming anxiety or discouraging circumstances they're facing so we want to have spiritual insight into natural circumstances so we can apply the right solutions to the real problems and that's the kingdom of god jesus stood up and preached his first message and he quoted from isaiah Chapter 61, he says, the spirit of the Lord God's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he went into the great promises. He's anointed me to set captives free, to open blind eyes, to open prison doors, to heal broken hearts. Jesus Christ, I, I, when Mary and I were going through a tough time, people would say, oh, Pastor, you don't worry, time heals all wounds. I just want to say, I, I don't want to cuss, but B.S., that's the closest. If she wasn't here, I'd be cussing my head off. I can't. Between the Holy Ghost and Mary, I'm restrained. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus Christ heals all wounds. Okay? Anything. Here's the opposite is true. When it's not healed, it becomes worse. Creates more influence and damage in our soul, our decisions, our actions, our behaviors, our relationships. So Mary and I, beautiful Mary and I, um, we, we began our first church at 27. God blessed it in our hometown, my hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, the Lord blessed it. And after 10 years, it was about 5,000 people. Our worship leader was Israel Houghton. We had all kinds of the Phoenix sons. Uh, many of them came to our church. We had all kinds of cool things happen. And we were building our building, a 4,800-seat auditorium in 1995, when our church treasurer, a local businessman who owned seven businesses, owned a jet, and lived in a mansion, had a savings and loan kind of situation. We had all of our accounts there. He embezzled $20 million from our church, took all of our money. So that stopped our building program. That became a big scandal. And our church grew from 5,000 to about 140 people. Ten front-page stories, headlines, front-page stories, six lawsuits, 15 concurrent attorneys at the same time. And our, our family became homeless for nine months, death threats, but I became clinically, manically, and often suicidally depressed for two and a half years. So this thing hit me hard because I didn't think it was fair that if you live moral and right, that bad things happen to you. But I just needed to read the rest of the Bible, you know what I mean? <laughs> Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Uh, uh, stop. Somehow, I, I always skipped over those verses. Oh, I don't want that. Uh, who needs that? And uh, so that's why I, the, the cool thing was, as I was finishing my PhD in psychology, every day I'd be like, oh, I got that too. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. How lovely. Uh, but, but. The good thing about exposure, God never reveals something to hurt you. Yes. God reveals it to heal it. Yes. 
And that's the, that's the process. But I was 37 years old. Our oldest son started medicating, self-medicating with drugs that grew into a full-blown addiction. And uh, he's, you know, life got really, really tough. And uh, I was 37, thought my life was over. Because when you stop dreaming, you start dying. God made your heart to be a dream factory. If you're not dreaming about tomorrow, you're going in reverse. And so, so many things were happening. And one day I was driving the kids to school and dropped them off in uh, high school. So I was on the freeway about two and a half hours a day. And uh, so lots of time to pray or kill people, depending what the, the day. Uh, and the Lord said to me, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? And so many things that happened in that story that were kind of unjust. And the way the press treated us was just so recklessly unfair. And, the, the, you know, I said, yes, Lord, I'd like the pain to go away. In fact, I, I made a list of some folks. <laughs> the, you know, beginning with that guy, just going down to about 19 of them. Lord, I, if you want to kill these people, I think the pain that I feel is going to, is going to exit. And the Lord said to me, Michael, if you forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make the pain they caused you to go away. And it sounded too good to be true, you know. I knew about forgiveness. And so, fast forward, I did and he did. Jesus gave me, not just took away the pain, he gave me an ocean of love for the people that broke my heart. And over the years, I've been able... To to re-engage many of them in a pastoral, just a friendship way, in a healing way. And only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus Christ. My, uh, uh, my kids, we have seven grandkids, and uh, this is the funnest thing. Grandkids are so wonderful. If I would have known how wonderful grandkids were, I would have skipped kids and got right to the grandkids. <laughs> just kidding. I, I love my kids. I might have, they might be here today. Just kidding. And uh, we... I think it was eight or nine years ago. I'm trying to think of, uh, it might have been a little bit longer. The movie Frozen came out. So when you're, like every month, I take the five oldest, I call them the Fab Five on, on a date. We go to a movie. I just give them as much sugar as humanly possible. <laughs> and uh, just, we stay up late. We go to the arcades and spend way more money than my wife thought I would. And uh, so we've had this really cool relationship with my grandkids and so we're watching the movie Frozen, and, you know, there's a song in the, in the movie called uh, Let It Go. So, so the granddaughters would come over, and they say, Poppy, we want to watch Frozen again. I say, well, you know, we've only watched it 83 times. Are, are you, but if that's what you want, that's what Poppy wants. And I had to watch it. I couldn't even turn my head away. Poppy, you're going to miss something. I, I know it's coming. I, I, I remember this part. I, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... There's a song in there called Let It Go. And in the New Testament, the Greek word for forgiveness is aphemi. It means to shoot an arrow, to let it go. To let it go. Uh, by the way, I, I, when you watch that movie 83 times, you lay in your bed at night tormented by the song, Jesus, please let it go. It's, it's got to it's gotta help me. I need, it, I, I need a, my mind erased, that thing. Put it in a good ocean song and take that out of and so my, my granddaughter, London, one, one time we were watching the movie. She jumped on the couch. Uh, she's like four-ish. She, 
She's precocious and so fun. And she jumped in, she grabbed my cheeks, she squeezed it, put her little face next to mine, and said, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. And I'm putting that on my tombstone. Here lies the funnest person in the whole world. And uh, so my grandkids are 16 down to three. They only know a happy Poppy. That's all. And only Jesus Christ can do that. So I, I gave you a sliver of what we went through. And, but only Jesus could have done that. Kept our family intact. My beautiful wife intact. Uh, staying with him. Ended up leaving. So, you, you know, so many things happened. I'm so grateful. You know, when God gives you a second chance, every day is a good day. God allowed us, 18 years ago, we started a new church with, with n- nothing, hardly any people, no benefactor, no, the city wasn't rooting for us. God breathed upon it. Now we have a bunch of campuses, gave us, God gave us a $40 million building for free. A bunch of cool things happened um, over the years. Now here's my point. If Jesus can heal my heart, he can heal yours. Now I, I, I'm sorry for what you're going through. But there is an error in the philosophy of this current culture that says, go ahead and adopt permanently your anger and your angst, your hurt and your offense. But those things will kill you. They won't heal you. They won't help you. So the problem with being a victim is you never get better. So I was so sick, I wrote a country western album. I don't mean to pick on you country fans. God bless you. I know what it's like. Jesus healed me. Jesus, I thank you for healing hearts. Like Pastor said so eloquently, heal people today. Heal minds. Heal hearts. Lift burdens. Restore hope. There's nothing you can't do. My last point is equally simple. Lift up your eyes and see hope and healing coming to your families. Coming to your families. Our beautiful son started self-medicating. He was a star athlete when he was a little boy. And, uh, but he was, he was hurting and, the, you know, we were kind of uh, thrown away. In a, in a pretty public way. And so he's mad at the church, mad at Christians, mad at God. And um, we put him in treatment a couple times during his teenage years. Just nothing really, you know, worked. And as soon as he could, he moved out of the house and he's running the streets. And drug dealers drive past our house, want to kill him. Police knock on our doors, want to arrest him. And I just laid in his bed and prayed, Jesus, don't let my son die tonight. So fears of that is pretty intense. I thought it was tough to lose a church until I lost the son. And uh, when all that happened over time, over seven years, my faith just got worn down. And, and my prayers, even the things I would ask God to do. And one day, the Lord came and kind of chastised me and said, Michael, I want, I want you to change the way you think 
talk and pray about your son. I want to remind you of everything I said he would be. And the Lord gave me five, like five bullet points. And he said, you're right, Lord. And I ran and told my wife, honey, we have to change the way we talk about Matthew. We have to change our confession. So I prayed for seven years and nothing happened. Seven weeks after I started praying for my son. So he was playing college basketball and he wanted to date one of their cheerleaders. And she wisely and strategically said, I'll only date you if you come to my church. And I just want to praise God for all the pretty single women at Ocean's Church. That, yeah, come and let him get some Holy Ghost and then, and then go out for coffee. And um, so he's, he's in the back row. He's, he's totally not into it. He's the first time he's been in church in a few years. He um, can't wait for church to get over and, uh, and there's a guest evangelist uh, in an African-American evangelist. He says, someone here is running from God with a broken heart. You're addicted and your heart's been broken. And the moment he said that, my son, who was disinterested, fell off his chair, shook on the ground for over half an hour. When he got up, he was free from cocaine addiction. He, he, he moved back into our home. Went to Bible school, went to Haiti for a year as a missionary. Married a lovely woman who's our executive pastor. Four great kids. Every time I see him, I can't help but smile. Because Jesus Christ brought our son home. Now, listen. I don't know the individual dynamics of your family. I just know what our family went through. And there wasn't a lot of people rooting for us. But all God needs is one person with faith to break into a whole family and bring salvation, healing, deliverance. That's all God needs. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. I pray in this moment for anyone that's burdened about a son or a daughter, maybe a brother or sister, maybe even moms and dads, Father, we believe you can do it again. Lift up your eyes and see the healing, the deliverance, the salvation of your family. It's not too hard for God. God can do it. He really can. Mr. Mark and Michelle, thank you. I'm going to pray for some people, but we honor you. We're so grateful for you. I I pray that this beautiful congregation prays for you regularly. But God's got you, man. God's got you preserved, protected. There's no safer place in the world than the will of God. The will of God brought you from Idaho to here. The will of God initiated Ocean's Church. And this is just the beginning. The best is yet to come. The Lord couldn't be more proud of you, Pastor Mark. You've been a true son for 20 years to great leaders your father-in-law other great kingdom leaders and great sons make great fathers and the fathering heart you have people are flourishing here I said to Pastor Mark and Rochelle that, that musicians and great worship leaders are going to move here from around the world they're going to keep coming because there is an incubating uh, uh, great environment a tent of creativity here 
where they're going to flourish and do great things. And for both of you, God is in this season. Surprises are coming. Make your plans. Get your maps. Uh, have the five-year strategy. But watch what heaven does for you. Watch divine interruptions coming in these next two and a half years. Surprises are mounting up. Because it's not just that you're in the right place. You're in the right time. And there's in God's heart a great wellspring of unfinished business for Orange County. And out of this region, the world. Oh, God's super excited. No one's more excited, Pastor Mark Rochelle, about your future than Jesus. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you, God. You sent generals. They're young, but they're already way more mature than their years. We see it on them. We thank you. And God, we believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.